Before scripture is read and the word is proclaimed, let us turn to God in prayer. Let us pray. Saving God, reach across the ages and fill these ancient words with life once again, so that we may find here both comfort and hope. Amen. Our scripture reading comes from the very first chapters of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1 and 2. Before we do the reading, um, especially for the young among us or the young at heart, I want you to listen to this reading. This is the creation story, and it's a long reading, but there's, there's a word that shows up several times in this reading, and that word is good. So I want you to listen for the word good, and, and every time you hear it, make a note of it, and I want to see how many times you hear the word good in this reading. Listen now for the word of God. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. And there was light, and God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a dome in the midst of the waters, and let it separate the waters from the waters. So God made the dome and separated the waters that were under the dome from the waters that were above the dome, and it was so. God called the dome sky, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, let the waters under the sky be gathered together in one place and let the dry land appear, and it was so. God called the dry land earth, and the waters that were gathered together he called seas, and God saw that it was good. Then God said, let the earth put forth vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees of every kind on earth that bear fruit with the seed in it, and it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed of every kind, and trees of every kind bearing fruit with the seed in it, and God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God said, let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them be there for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights, the, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night and the stars. God set them in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth, to rule over the day and over the night, and to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good and there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the dome of the sky. So God created the great sea monsters and every living creature that moves of every kind with which the waters swarm and every winged bird of every kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters of the seas and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures of every kind, cattle and creeping things and wild animals of the earth of every kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals of the earth of every kind and the cattle of every kind and everything that creeps upon the ground of every kind. And God saw that it was good. 
Then God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. And God said, see, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth and every tree with seed in its fruit. You shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth, Everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw everything that God had made, and indeed, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished in all their multitude. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done, and God rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and hallowed it, because on it God rested from all the work that he had done in creation. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We feel like we need to rest after that long reading. Isn't that a wonderful story? For the next several months, as you know, we'll be looking at texts that have something to do with water. I think I chose water as a theme partly because I realized summer was slipping away and I hadn't made it to the beach yet and probably wasn't going to. So, you know, if you can't be at the beach, you can preach about the beach. But I also chose water as a theme because water is so elemental, so essential, so vital for human existence and for the Christian faith as well. As I mentioned in my pastor's note, the story of faith is in some ways the story of water. The waters of the Red Sea parted to lead the people of Israel to freedom. The good shepherd leading us beside the still waters. Jesus baptized in water and turning water into wine and walking on water. Jesus as the living water. Jesus calling us to go forth and baptize with water. On and on it goes. Water is all over the place in our faith tradition. And it's right here at the very beginning, before anything else, before creation itself, you have the deep waters out of which everything springs. Creation is water that has been shaped and ordered by God. And it is good. Now here's the test. How many times did you hear the word good in that reading? Someone said 12. Well, you added a few more goods in there, I think. (laughs) And God saw that the light was good, that the earth and the seas were good, that the plants and the trees were good, that the sun and moon and stars were good, that the birds and the fish were good, that the cattle and creeping things were good. And God saw everything that God had made, and indeed it was very good. In Hebrew, the number seven represents completeness, wholeness, perfection. Seven times we're told creation is good. That's the whole, complete, perfect truth. The word for creation in Hebrew, bara, and the word for blessing, barach, 
You can hear it. They're almost the same word. Creation is God's first act of blessing. Everything, life, health, children, crops, cattle, food, everything that makes life go is a blessing, a divine gift. Now, it's fair to ask what we have done with that gift. The human imprint on creation is massive. So massive, in fact, that scientists have declared that we're in a new age, the Anthropocene. Have you heard this? This this new age reflects the fact that human activity is now the dominant force on earth. And we've used our incredible creativity and ambition and our opposable thumbs to shape and reshape creation, to become co-creators with God. And much of that has been very good. I, for one, am really thankful for penicillin and air conditioning and strawberry ice cream. And you could name your own things, right? But we all know that our reshaping of creation has taken a heavy toll, too. Over the last couple of years, half of the coral in Australia's Great Barrier Reef has died. And wildlife populations have declined by more than half on average since 1970. And three quarters of the world's fisheries are either exploited or completely spent. And one out of ten bird species across the Western Hemisphere is headed for extinction within our lifetime. And we are right now living through what will likely be the hottest year any human being has ever experienced on earth. I'm sure you've seen the stories, even if we don't quite experience it with the same bite here in Hickory. Record highs on the Gulf Coast in Texas and Arizona, all told some 60 million people in the U.S. under heat advisories right now. The ocean temperature off the southern tip of Florida hit an unprecedented 101 degrees. The waters of creation are simmering. I think right-sizing our relationship with the rest of creation is maybe the most important work of our lifetime. I believe that. And we need to do what we can to pass on a healthy world to our children and their children, a world that is still very good. And we know some of what that means Drive less, get a fuel-efficient car, buy local food, eat less meat, plant trees, start a garden, insist our leaders include care for creation as part of their planning, and so on. We know the things we need to do. But maybe just as important is changing our hearts, changing the way we think about creation and our place within it. And that's where I think the waters of Genesis 1 may give us some hints about what that looks like. I've mentioned before that I was raised near Cocoa Beach, Florida, with a swimming pool at the house and a canal out back and a beach not far away. There was lots of water around. And I told you my parents' sophisticated technique for teaching me how to swim. They would take me to the beach and wade waist deep into the water, stand about 15 feet apart, and then just throw me in the water. Now, in the spirit of full disclosure, The waves really didn't look like that in Cocoa Beach, Florida, but they felt that way to a kid who was just learning how to swim. I can still remember the anxiety, the panic when I hit the water and felt like I had to swim for my life. I hadn't learned yet that the secret of swimming is letting go, 
relaxing, trusting, trusting that the water will hold you up. I feel like that's part of the puzzle for all of us, letting go of our anxiety, our need to constantly be in control. That fear, that need causes us to kick and scream and and thrash our way through life like a kid at the beach trying to swim for the first time. It causes us to grab hold of more than we need because we're afraid of losing what we've got. Instead, we're called to trust to trust the generosity of God, to trust the deep down goodness of creation, to trust the water to hold us up. Another lesson water teaches us is that everything is connected to everything else. We all know when you go swimming in a pool, you're swimming with everyone else in that pool. And we've created sort of the illusion that we can all have our own individual swimming pools, you know, individual cars, individual rooms, individual houses, individual phones with individual apps that give us our own individual news. But the reality is all of creation is a single pool. We're all in this together. And the choices made by one affect everybody else. Barbara Brown Taylor writes about her experience with well water. I don't know how many of you have either dug a well or lived off of well water or know anything about that experience. She talks about how when she first bought her land where she moved, there was nothing but trees and cows and grass on it. And the first question the builder asked her was, where's your well? And she writes, I tried to hide my surprise. I had temporarily forgotten that water comes from the earth, not the sink. Of course there would have to be a well. So I called Davidson Well Drilling, whose huge red truck appeared the next day with an enormous drill bit on it. As I watched him position his drill, I suddenly saw him as as a lab technician trying to find a vein. The body of the land lay still beneath his probing. Under its surface ran rivers of life which I was trying to tap into. My own life depended on the transfusion. Without it, I could not drink, cook, bathe, water plants and animals or wash clothes. With it, I could make a home. And when I heard a yell go up, I knew the stick had worked. The earth granted me a lifeline by letting me siphon off some of the water that was on its way somewhere else. Because of me, there would be less water flowing into the Chattahoochee River. Less for the speckled trout, less for the wood ducks, less for the mounted laurel that dropped their white petals into the river. There would be more water flowing into my septic tank laced with laundry detergent and dish soap and human waste. At that moment of high awareness, I promised the land I would go easy on the water. I would remember where it came from. I would do as little harm to it as possible. I would remain grateful for the sacrifice. She writes, I'm beginning to see the wisdom of the village well. Not a dozen different holes sunk in a dozen different backyards, but one central place where a dozen neighbors meet to draw water. If we had something like that, then we might be able to hold each other accountable. No one could get away with pouring paint thinner down the drain or washing the car twice a week when there's barely enough water for the vegetables. 
We could talk about what we're going to do to conserve our water so that both it and we are around for the long haul. We might even understand how wells came to be called sacred and why water is the most fundamental sacrament of all. She writes, my well runs dry pretty regularly now, but I'm thinking that I will learn to live with what I have. If I do, then I may also learn that I do not have any of the things that give me life. They are all on loan from the Creator who is counting on me and my kind to share them with all creation. In the beginning, the earth was a formless void and the Spirit hovered over the waters of the deep. And from that, the sun and the moon, from that, seas teeming with life, swimming things and creeping, crawling, slithering things, some smaller than a grain of sand, some bigger than mountains. From that, cheetahs and falcons and termites and herons and wildebeests and chimpanzees and dogs and cats and beavers and elephants and cows. Did I leave anything out? Anyone want to name their favorite animal that I left out? Aardvarks. Mosquitoes, even mosquitoes, all that from that water, from that blessing, and you and me and all that we love, all that from that water, that goodness seven times over again, all tied together by God's grace. Let us wade into that water together shouting with joy like kids, stomping around in puddles, singing with gratitude for grace upon grace, trusting and caring and sharing so that our children and their children can do the same. May it be so. Thanks be to God. Amen.